thank you this morning, Lord, for the wonder of your love. Hallelujah. We look out into the universe and we see the wonder of your hands, Lord. We look at our lives, Lord, and we are absolutely thrown backwards, Lord, by the miracle of life with you in the spirit, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We cannot get over the fact that you live in us, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you for the faith that you've given us this morning to believe you are who you said you were, Lord. Hallelujah, the Christ, the Son of a living God. Oh, hallelujah. We just thank you this morning. We wonder, we stand in awe. We stand in awe of the wonder of your love for us, Lord. And Father, we just ask you this morning that you might dwell in this house forever and ever. Hallelujah. And I want to dwell in this house forever. Wherever this house, house of the Lord is, I want to dwell in it, Lord. Hallelujah. Past, present and future, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you. David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We thank you. You've given us a house, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. Father, I just ask the words that I speak, you might govern my tongue, govern my thoughts and my intellect, Lord, and that you might speak through me as the oracles of God. I just ask it, Lord, that you'll curb my tongue, curb my thoughts, that you might be preeminent in all I say and do, Lord, I ask it. I thank you for the revelation of your word, Lord, Hallelujah. Because it is truth to our body, soul, and our marrow, Lord. We thank you for it. Amen. Well, we're in Galatians 3 this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's word's good, isn't it? And I'm in Galatians 3, verse 23. And this is why I love it. It says, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. You see, we've been studying for quite a few weeks, haven't we, about uh, 
amongst other things, the law and the, and the liberty of the Holy Spirit in our lives and who we are in Jesus and who he is in us. But the only thing we can offer to God in our current state is faith to believe that Jesus is the sacrifice for our sin and for our life. Hallelujah. You see, it's by faith. Up until Jesus came, it was all by sacrifice. People, God made a way for people to deal with their sin. He gave them the law to make them conscious of sin. And then he gave them the ability to sacrifice uh, and do certain things to be covered by the blood so that they might have a relationship with God. And right the way up until Jesus came, there was something you had to do to have fellowship with God. But when Jesus came, it says all this schoolmaster stuff, was put away, and we're no longer under a schoolmaster because we're under faith. It's faith. The only thing we can please God with is faith. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's the only way we can please him. We can't please him with anything we do in the flesh, anything we do with our minds or our hearts. It's just... We please him by believing who he is. Believing that Jesus was the sacrifice for our sin. Believing that Jesus came to live in our hearts and lives, that we would no longer have to work for our salvation, but we would be free by the, by the wonderful grace of God that he's given us. Now, I thought we'd dwell on faith this morning. Uh, I tried to define it and it's impossible to define faith <laughs> adequately. I will try and read what the Bible says about it at the end. But I thought, to start with at least, I would say, I would talk about what faith is not. You know, t most of what Tony taught us over the last few months is what it is not. <laughs> not faith, particularly, but our relationship with God. Uh, and sometimes when you know what isn't right, you can better perceive how you should activate your faith. That's what I was hoping God would help us to do. This is what's been going on in my life. Uh, God's been talking to me about my faith. I hope he's going to talk to us all this morning about our faith. So the first thing that... Uh, limits your faith is ignorance. Not knowing the truth is ignorance. If you know the truth, it says the truth shall set you free. So I'm going to go to 1 Timothy 1 and 13. Tim, uh, uh, Paul is talking here about God putting him in the ministry. 
then he talks about himself, and he said, who was before a blasphemer? That was Paul. This is what Paul said about himself. And a persecutor, injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You see, ignorance is unbelief. Jesus talks about unbelief a lot in the, in the gospel. He talks about, oh, you of little faith. And most of the reasons why we have little faith is because of our unbelief, due to ignorance. Due to, and the ignorance we have, firstly, is we don't know who we are in God. And we don't know God, who God is in us. That is, that is the first ignorance that we can have about faith. You say, uh, what do you mean about being ignorant? See, God has given us the ability to connect through the Holy Spirit with him directly and have faith in him personally rather than having faith in other things. You know, a lot of, you go up to people in the street and they'll say, oh, well, I've got faith. I, but it's not like your faith. The reason is they're ignorant concerning faith. Now, we were ignorant concerning faith when we got saved. I don't know about you. I didn't have any concept. I asked God into my life. He gave me the faith to ask him. And then he demonstrated that through my faith in believing that Jesus died on the cross for me, that I was saved. He demonstrated that to me. And, you know, we quite often, we look about faith for healing and all the other things that we need as if we've got to do something. It's ignorance. We cannot do anything to merit the things that God has already done. He says, by my stripes you were healed. Hallelujah. You see, it's all very well asking God to heal us. We have to put the situation back on the other, turn it to the other way and say, Lord, heal me. And when we tell him to heal us, we are healed. Hallelujah. It's between us and him. Number two, I've put down here what faith is not. It comes through wrong teaching. Quite often it comes through tradition. I think one of the things that I've noticed with tradition is um, we start praying for people. We ask, we put the onus on God when we pray. That's a traditional thing. You say, please heal my brother or whatever, rather than speaking to God and saying, please bring this healing thing to being. You see, Jesus didn't instruct us to pray for people. He instructed us to go and heal the sick. And that is the thing. It's a, difference. It's a different concept that, the church is always praying about things that God has already put in place for us. Healing is in place for us. It's in place for us. We just have to activate it by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Hallelujah. Healing for other people is there. You know, when people come out to be prayed for in the front, 
I'm very careful that I don't start thinking, what must I do to pray for this person? We have to focus on God and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. And leave it there. Otherwise we finish like the prophets of Baal, cutting ourselves and, and looking, examining ourselves before we examine the healing power of God, which is nothing to do with us. It's something that we just express towards him. We just say, be healed in the name of Jesus. We can do no more. Hallelujah. If we have faith to believe it, it happens, you know. I feel very inadequate when somebody asks me to pray for them. But I look to God and I feel the adequacy of God come up well up within me. And if, I'm allowed, if I allow God to release himself in my prayer, he will do something. I've, I've proved it. In recent weeks, it works. Hallelujah. It works, brother and sister. Come against these things that come against each one of us in the name of Jesus and say, this is not right. This is not right. There's so much wrong teaching in the church about these things. Not just healing, but I use that as an example. You know, we think all sorts of things. You know, it's almost like serendipity when God answers your prayer. You, you, you seem to live in a, sometimes you can live in a world where it may happen or it may not happen. In your, in your being. You know, you have this thing, I can't tell where it's going to happen. We have to be assured that what God says, he will do. We, it says, Jesus talks about it, we can't be in two minds about things. The double-minded man is unstable in everything that he does. We have to be singly-minded. That the power of God it will do what he says it will do on the tin. God, if God says he's healed us, it's just a matter of activating it through faith. Now, sometimes we have to stretch our faith to believe it, but if we act it, God will honour that faith, I believe. See, there's, there's two areas we get disbelieving. You know, I've known, known Christians said, I wish I could believe, believe that God had healed me. That's disbelieving what the word of God says. You can be in disbelief, or you can put your misbelieving, you can believe in something that's not there. <laughs> you know, wishful thinking is, is a thing in our hearts. Sometimes we, we, we treat God with wishful thinking. I'd love you to do this, Lord. We have to approach him in a totally different manner. We have to realise that we're talking to somebody who could do something about every situation that we face and every situation that we, we, other people face. Hallelujah. And it's a challenge. You know, we have to have, to have a whole revolution. Look at what the Bible says. Every time we're challenged, look at what the Bible says and then use what the Bible says to meet the challenge. That's what Jesus did. He, he fasted for 40 days and then he was challenged by the devil. And he used the word of God every time to defeat the devil. We can do that. It's not taught that. It's not taught very much, is it? That we should get out there, use the word of God and say, this, be gone. God has dealt with this already. 
God has dealt with my sin. God has dealt with my sickness. God has dealt with my depression. He's dealt with all these things. We need to activate it through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work in the situation, we're we're too often, well, I'll talk for myself, we're too often, well, we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Let's see how it goes. I pray to the Lord. I leave it with him. You know, you look at the people in the Bible, they didn't leave it with him. Jacob wrestled with God. The woman who was uh, not a Jew, she was arguing with Jesus and saying, well, I know I'm not part of the chosen few, but even the dogs, she, he called her a dog. She wasn't put off. Even the dogs eat of the crumbs that fell off the table. That is faith. That is faith. She had more faith than all the ones that were eating on the table, I tell you. And she got what her heart desired. Hallelujah. Sometimes we have to be a bit brutal with God. Because, you see, when we get brutal with God, look what happened to Jacob. He got brutal with God, and his leg, his sinew in his thigh, was put out of joint with the wrestling with God. And he limped for the rest of his life. But that was a testimony to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you come, come to God, he will leave a mark in your life. Hallelujah. <laughs> when you wrestle with God, he'll leave a mark in your life that you will remember that God did that. Now we come on to the flesh. The flesh is the biggest problem we have as far as faith is concerned. We war against the flesh by faith. We believe God's told us it's possible. You know, the, he will never, we will never be tested above that which we're able to. Isn't that wonderful? We can claim that. When we're in testing times, you say, Lord, you said I will ne- you will never test us above which is we're able I believe that you will bring me through. Yeah, instead of this getting pity party stuff, because we're, we're always wanting people to feel sorry for us. We're going, he's going through it, that brother's going through it. <laughs> but he will never test us beyond that which we. Hey, isn't that God? It's in the Bible. Do you know it's in the Bible? That's the thing. That's ignorance if we don't know these things that God has made it put in place in the Bible. We need to read the Word of God. We need it should be our, in our spirit. You know, I, I can tell whether it's God or whether it's somebody else by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Immediately somebody speaks something and it's not on the line of the Word of God. I know it's not of God. See, it's simple, isn't it? You can, you can know the things of God because you know his word. You know the person of Jesus. You know the Father. You know who, who he said all these things in here. You know them. They're more real to you sometimes than the people around you. Hallelujah. But it's not by our eyes, our ears, our feelings. Faith doesn't work in the natural. It's not working in the natural. It works in the supernatural realm. Hallelujah. It's above, it's above feeling. 
It's above what you hear. You hear a lot of stuff from, from all sorts of things. You know, Job, think about Job. He had all these comforters come around and <laughs> talk to him, talk to him. Not one of them said anything positive. Even his wife said, get on and die, Job. But he stuck it out. He stuck it out. Now you say, why did Job have to go through that? He came out a different man. Hallelujah. But he were, his whole physical body was tested in every possible way. His wife said, curse God and die. He couldn't do that. Because he knew God. Hallelujah. It was, it was a terrible situation. He, unfortunately, Job got himself into it. Because he was fearful. He was fearful. You read, I think it's chapter 3, he talks, uh, he fear, he, he talks himself, he says, I feared a fear and it came upon me. We mustn't allow the, the, the things of our flesh. See, fear is a fleshly thing. It's not a spiritual thing. Hallelujah. It comes from our inner being. That's the wonderful thing. When we love God, it says fear goes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're feeling fearful, just press into God. And the love, he'll pour the love out. Perfect love casteth out all fear. Faith, you can never sense faith. You know, <clears throat> some people think, you know, when you get a tickle down your back, it's faith. <laughs> some people think when you fall on the floor, that's faith. It's not physical. Hallelujah. It's something that happens within. Something you know. You have this inner knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And that's the wonderful thing. It's not something that is external. It's not something that people can look at. That's why um, when a miracle happens and people can see the miracle, they're astonished. They can't explain it. But on the other hand, they can't really believe it. You know, uh, you tell people about marvellous miracles the Lord has done, and they usually try and explain it away and say, oh, well, that, was, that happened by chance. or you know, all, all the things that the natural mind thinks. But, you know, these miracles do happen. And you can only know a miracle because you know you've had a miracle yourself. Hallelujah. When you've had a miracle yourself, you recognize miracles. Right, I'm going to Acts 3 now. One to eleven. Peter and John went up to the together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold... Have I none, but such as I have, 
Give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat it for arms in the at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And then Peter preached a sermon. Wonderful, isn't it? Now, do you think Peter and John... Uh, as they were going up to the temple, I was thinking, well, this that guy, that guy there, we saw him last week. Uh, he's been there for years. Shall we pray for him? They didn't. It was a spontaneous action. Something the Holy Spirit prompted Peter to do. Right there and then. You see, that man was challenging Peter and John to give him something. Hallelujah. And you'll find in life around you, there are challenges that come up and you have the option of responding. That's what they did. Now he's quite honest, Peter. He said, silver and gold, I haven't got any. Nothing to put in your pocket. But what I do have, in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, stand up, rise up and walk. And he went even farther, he took his hand and lifted him, sort of, and his ankle bones received strength. And the miracle happened. And he went walking and leaping into the temple. Now, that could happen with us. Hallelujah. But you have to be prepared for the event. And I think this is the whole point of what I'm trying to say this morning. Are we prepared for the events that God puts us into? Are we willing to risk all that God might move in people's lives? Are we willing to risk it? It's a risk, isn't it? We could look pretty stupid, couldn't we? We could. And we weigh it up and we think, better not. <laughs> they might think I'm a religious nut. But everybody reckoned it was a marvellous miracle because he'd been sitting there so long. And I believe Jesus, somebody said this, Jesus must have passed that way many times. But Jesus didn't reach out and touch him and the bad guy wasn't healed. It was waiting there for Peter. Is there somebody that's waiting there for you? For you to step out in faith? But don't put your faith in something that doesn't work. That's the whole thing I'm saying. Be solid as a rock on who you believe. Yeah. You see, he said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, he 
rise up and walk. Hallelujah. It rose up in him. Hallelujah. Something happened. It happened in him. And it can happen in us. It's 2,000 years later. No different. No different. We have the opportunity. Praise the Lord. Now we go to um, Acts 14. Similar thing happened with Paul and Barnabas. Verse 15. Well, we'll read, read the whole bit. And this wasn't a nice time for Paul. They tried to stone him in one place, so they trotted off to somebody nearby, somewhere nearby. And that it's talking here, in verse 5 we'll start. And when there was an assault made both of Gentiles and also of Jews with the rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled unto Lystria and Derb, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that, region that lieth around about. And they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Now this is interesting. Paul looked at him steadfastly and saw that he had faith to be healed. We need to, we need to have that insight in our spirit, don't we? Just like Paul. If it happened to Paul, it can happen to thee. Beholding and perceiving he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, no whisper, be healed. Loud, be healed! Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Another one. Leaping and walking and praising God. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas and Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. And when the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of them, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you these things? We are also our men of like passions with you and preach unto you that we should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all the things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful season, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had done sacrifice unto them. And they came... Hither, this is what happened to Paul after all this wonderful thing. You see, they were trying to, trying to sacrifice to him. And the next minute, this lot from Antioch turned up. And there came hither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing that he had been dead. How be it? As the disciples stood round about him, he rose up, came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derb. 
All that can happen in one day. You can see a marvellous healing. People might want to sacrifice to you. But it didn't last long, did it? They cast stones at him to stone him. They will try and stone us. They will, even if they don't do it physically, they'll try and do it to us with words. But you see, they had the faith to believe it. They went on. So they, they, Paul continued on his ministry. He'd been stoned. The amazing thing, they, they thought he was dead. He moved on the next day. So he must have been out of walk. It wasn't just a lump that they put in the bed and nursed him back to health. God kept him. God will keep you. God will keep you. He has the power to keep you. Hallelujah. We need to stir up our faith, don't we? We need to see it again. I'm going to go to Hebrews 11 now. You may have thought that's where I was going to go. But this is the, f the famous bit about faith. Get there in a minute. Now, verse 1 to 3. Now faith brings hope, our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. The testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully co coordinated by the power of God's word. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. You see, God spoke and the worlds were created. You will see that all these miracles came out of speaking. It all came out of speaking. We have to speak out of our heart through faith, believing that God is who he says he is. Now, um, we finished the Bible study on who we are, who God is. I propose that we, we get into faith now and find out what this faith is that we receive and how we activate it, how we live with it. I believe it's a... We could start with Abraham... He was just a man, but God used him mightily because of his faith. And I believe that's what God wants to do with all of us. He wants to get us to get our faith sorted out so that we move in faith like Abraham did. Now, Abraham, when you look at him, he's the man who left Ur of the Chaldees. He was a... He wasn't God orientated. He was a man. He had gods of the land. We know that they moved her to uh, Haran, wasn't it? We know that they took their gods with them. How do we know that? 
because Laban had gods. And as you may remember, Rebecca and Jacob stole Laban's gods. They were still idolatrous when they got to Haran. But God spoke to them, to um, Abraham, and he says, come with me. And that's when Abraham's walk of faith began. You see, and that's what God's saying to us. Come with me on a walk of faith. And we can study Abraham's life and you can see it was a walk of faith. Now, he didn't have the benefits of having scriptures written down. He just had a walk with God. He didn't know who God was, but he just was a man of faith. He followed after this God that approached him. And you know, I believe that's what God wants us to do, to go on a journey with him, a journey of faith. And I, I believe that's what God wants for this church, is for us to go on a journey of faith. I believe that's what God's put on my heart. It's, it's January, the, the first week in January. I believe we've got something fresh God's put in, into our pathway. That we might see miracles, mighty miracles. It's not a matter of getting yourself in a state where you can activate miracles. It's, it's a matter of you sorting out your believing with God and realising you can do nothing. But as soon as we release ourselves into God and the Holy Spirit, we can do all things. Doesn't the Bible teach us that? We can do all three things in Christ who strengthens us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the works. See, we often get mixed up it's, uh, the Bible talks about doing the works of God. That's not working for salvation. That's doing what God tells us to do. Is that clear? We do the works of God. We don't work for God. We do what he wants us to do. Hallelujah. Which is totally different. Hallelujah. Every moment of every day we have this opportunity to do the works of God. Like Peter did. He says, silver and gold have I none. I've got nothing to meet your need, but in the name of Jesus. Bang. Hallelujah. Same with the man. He'd been lame from birth. Paul just said, be healed. And he was healed. Hallelujah. We have the same power. We just need to activate it in the way that